You're listening to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I'm Maggie Ulmer, and on today's episode, the team talks about the importance of community. We talk about some of the unique challenges leaders in the church face when trying to form personal community, the challenges of being vulnerable when people have expectations of you, and just all the things about being known and knowing other people. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we start this episode, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I am Maggie Ulmer, and we're going to have a round of introductions. Tony Moltenberger. Matt Reynolds. Emma Winchester. And... Tony, I'm going to throw this straight to you because you are our relational guru. What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to talk about the importance of community. See, one of the things that we recognize when we go around to churches all over the country on our uh, kind of our awakening weekends, we talk to church leaders and it's become apparent to all of us that loneliness is an epidemic that runs deep in the veins of leadership. And so I think um, today we're going to talk a little bit about community, about defining community, about what it means to have community in our life and how we can take a couple of steps to approach community with intentionality while also still serving in that role of pastor, shepherd, or leader. So right off the bat, I'm going to go straight to Matt Reynolds and then we'll just kind of go around the circle. And what I'm hoping that we can start with first is a working definition of community. So when you think of the word community, what do you think of in your own life? Um, I would say intentional relationships. I mean, and I would think about there's just the kind of innate, deep human desire that's been woven into us by God to to know and be known. And so, and I think that desire exists for God. Uh, to know and be known by God and also with other people um, because we were created in the image of a Trinitarian God who is the very definition of loving community even within the Godhead. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think community goes down real deep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Emma, what about you, community? Um, My first thought was about the trinity um just the way that we you know out of an overflow of love we are invited into community with god and um and as christians you know we are called to love god and love others and so that is a community (laughs) experience at just the very basic level but then also there are varying degrees of community you know you have your close um, circle, you have people a little bit further out. It, it's almost like a ring. Um, Jesus even had that. So, you know, certain people have different access into your life, but um, we all have different, you know, ranges of community because we're, we're called to it. So, Margaret, what about you, community? Yeah, I don't know that there's a lot more to add there. I mean, I I would agree. I I think one thing that we would usually also find in community are are shared commonalities, shared characteristics. Mm. And so I think 
when we specifically talk about Christian community, you know, you can talk about um, all kinds of shared characteristics, like that we all bear the image of God, that we've all, um, you know, been in essence made new creations, and that we all share the ability to follow Christ and become more like Jesus. And so, and then you have more practical things like shared practices, shared um, traditions, things like that. Yeah, I often think of Acts chapter 2 when mm-hmm. I think of community verses 42 through 47 where it says they met in the temple courts, they broke bread together, um, they all met each other's needs. When I think about like the purest form of community, um, I think about that and, and the way that Jesus did life with the disciples. Sure. And so, I, you know, I guess one of the questions that I have, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's not even fair to ask, but we're here now. So... One of the questions that I was wondering about is what do you think the barrier for most church leaders and ministry leaders and and maybe just leaders in general is to forming community? Because the truth is that loneliness is real. We see it all the time. What's kind of the um, the catalyst to that keeps leaders so separate from everybody else? You know, and I actually, I think I want to broaden that because I actually don't think it's exclusive to those people in leadership. I think that there's barriers that prevent authentic community just among all people. And every person who is sitting in your church has the potential to to struggle with this. And so now I do think there are some unique challenges uh, to authentic community with within within sort of spiritual leadership situations for sure um but you know one of the i think one of the barriers is uh is vulnerability like a willingness to be vulnerable like in order to like have in order to know someone well and to be actually known in a way that actually sort of taps into that sort of deep desire that's a part of our creation it actually requires a level of vulnerability um, that I think a lot of people, because of our sin, because of our feelings of insecurity and, you know, issues with self-worth and all kinds of things, we're not often willing to be vulnerable in a way that lets people actually know us. We're so used to, and I think this is culturally conditioned into us, but we're so used to putting on a veneer or creating a projection of ourselves that we want others to like we we have a certain idea of how we want others to see us and we create that sort of illusion as best we can and um, that lack of vulnerability makes it really hard to have authentic community yeah I think that's so true you know when I think about vulnerability in community I think the enemy, I mean, he tries to keep us from this. He tries to isolate us so much. And he does that by by convincing us to fall into these two twin traps, which are shame and pride. It's either I'm too ashamed, I can't be vulnerable because there's no way that these people will still love me or still see me or still know me, uh, you know, if I share these deep personal things or... I can't share these things because I have been known as this person or 
um, in this authority way. And so there's no way that I could share with someone else because it'll immediately ruin my image. It, you know, that's, I think that that's what the enemy tries to lure us into. It's his way of isolating us. I think those things are all true. I also think that, I mean, if we're specifically talking, I, I mean, and I, we've broadened this and so, um, but I, I also think that one of the things that can be unique to spiritual leadership or church leadership is the the expectation that leaders feel from the outside on them to be something. So sometimes, you know, you want to be vulnerable. You know, sure. you want to be like, hey, I'm not perfect. You know, but other people are like, but I need you to be perfect. Sure. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember being in a particular type of um, – church culture where um you know any kind of sense of of sort of fracturing in the facade of how the church was performing you know things like that 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 would not have been well received you know so that's not true in every church culture i think but i i think to some extent it's a, it's a symbiotic thing it's like you have those things like we all do want to be seen a particular way yeah. and then you also have the expectation of people from the outside saying I want you to be someone I'm proud of because it helps me feel good about where I go to church or da 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 da, da. and then you have this little toxic soup of yeah fakey fake yeah I, you know I want to just add on to what you're saying because something Heidi and I my wife's name's Heidi by the way uh that have we've talked about a number of times and this is a, this is a unique thing. I think this is a challenge for people in leadership, and it, certainly in the church. But I think it could go. I'm sure that this happens in other arenas. People want things from you, yeah, and they need things from you as the leader. And I know Heidi has shared, and I've felt before. Sometimes it's hard to discern mm -hmm. whether someone actually wants to be your friend or whether and they may not know this either it's mixed up within them or whether the way that they're relating to you is a function of your role and I know you know like Heidi has shared before like I don't I don't know if they actually like me or they just talk to me like that because it's because I'm the pastor's wife mm -hmm. you know or whatever mm -hmm. like they they want to be buddy buddy, but I don't know that they actually want to be my friend, you know. And so I think sometimes in leadership, trying to discern these kind of different mixed motives and like that can, and then you're trying to like navigate that, which makes you feel awkward and like it just um, it just creates levels of stuff there that's hard for you to to feel like genuine connection. And I would say this that as the leader. Right. It's OK to have like all of those groups of people are OK. Yeah. You know, oh, and, yeah. and they all make up the community. And one of the things I heard somebody say, and I can't give them credit because I don't remember, is that there, there are role friends and then there are real friends. Mm. Now, both groups are friends, um, but both groups change. Right. And so when I left the local church, there were a whole lot of people in my life who were role friends who I loved dearly. Yeah. Now, I'm not I'm not calling those people. Sure. Right. I, like I'm not hanging out with those people. And it's been the same places in various places I've worked. You know, role friends are really, they're really important part of your community, but they're not all of your community, right? And so real friends make up the other 
for most people, it's probably some sort of like 20-80 split. 80% of the people in your community are probably like role friends or just people that are um, maybe at a little bit more than an arm's distance away. But then that 20% are like your ride or dies, you know, your real friends, those kind of that close group. And then now in the world that we live in today, I have a whole nother group of friends. I have the internet friends, right? Yeah. People who I podcast with or I've met or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and they're, I mean, they're friends. I pray, you know, sometimes I pray for them and I see them on the internet or whatever, but yeah. that's, and I don't even know if we can consider that community based off of the way that we kind of intersect. Um, so, so let me just ask the group this, cause I, I'm curious, how do you guys get to real friendship with people knowing the roles that you play in your church and um, and in ministry all over the world. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, you know, I was thinking, which isn't an, a direct answer, but I'll get to that, uh, that as you were talking, you know, I think you started off by talking about how we talk to so many pastors and ministry leaders who um, feel lonely or isolated. And I, as you were talking, I thought that's because so many pastors only have role friends. Yeah. You know, and if your only friends are those friends that are because of your role, even if you interact with lots of people all the time, you can still feel super lonely. So one of the things that's been important for me is to, I've always just tried to have at least you know, intentionally cultivate friendship with a, at least a couple of people who are not in my church. And as a pastor, I just think that you, you kind of have to have that. Yeah. You have to have yeah. people who really know you deeply, who you can share things with that you can't share with people that go to your church just because of all the weird dynamics. And, um, you know, I'm not sure I would have survived these years in ministry if not for genuine friendship with at least a few other people outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I'm having so many sort of like memories, mixed feelings. Like it's such an, a tangled kind of, um, realm. I think when you become, so obviously my connection to the church is both as a lay person was initially as a lay person, then as, you know, the pastor's wife. And now I work in ministry. And it's fascinating having these perspectives because when you are the pastor's wife, you show up to the church for the first time, you, you have no context for something different yet. Like you've had one way of connecting to the church as a lay person. And then you like... Uh, you know, you see behind the curtain or you're like, you see how the sausage is made and you're like, whoa, whoa, what the heck is going on? And you don't realize like how differently you're going to relate to the church and how it's going to change the way p you receive people when they approach you. And I know for me, in terms of loneliness, you know, a lot of times when you're the uh, pastor's spouse plenty of people have no idea what to do with you you know like especially now there was for a long time sort of a traditional way of treating uh, clergy spouses and when Rob my husband became a pastor the first thing they will tell you is oh now we don't have those expectations anymore yeah they do 
you know, they don't name it, but like they, people have expectations of you and, and they and it, you have this experience of like being invited into things and you extend yourself and then it's not reciprocated, you know, like you, you extend yourself, people say they want you and then it's like you try to have the dynamic of what community is, which is a reciprocal relationship. And people are like, why are you doing that? It's very confusing sometimes. I think there's a lot of like hurt sometimes to work through, you know, when you try to figure out how to have healthy relationships with the church community and things like that. Yeah, there's nothing more difficult as a pastor especially early on it's, it's less so as you mature a little yeah bit. yeah you once you start to, once you start to get real community in your life that may or may not be connected to the church mm-hmm. right then it becomes a lot easier but early on anytime someone leaves the church they're leaving mm. you mm-hmm. and that's personal oh yeah. golly i'll never forget uh i invited someone onto the board right and they were in our community and we were like really connecting and the moment they got on the board, they didn't like how we were doing things. And then they left the board and left the church. And my wife is still friends with them. And I just can't. I can't Aww. do it. Like, yeah. Right. Because they didn't want to talk about it. And they were conflict avoidant. And so it was like this whole this whole thing. And they're great people. You know, it's just one of those things where you, you didn't learn. And I, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. It's a better way to say it. I think another thing is, in addition to having friends outside the church, your life cannot only be about ministry. Yeah, that's right. You have to have a life that has just a spectrum and, and a sense of the world as being bigger than the church. I mean, you want to see everything through the lens of your belief, but if you don't have things going on outside of the church, then it just eats you up after a while. Which is the same with anybody in any career, That's right, right. yeah. I mean, if your whole world is your job Mm -hmm. you're going to feel miserable oh yeah you know that's i think that's just a human principle and i was thinking as you as you were talking really if i was going to think about a a principle that is important this is so basic but that you have to be intentional about this Mm -hmm. like sometimes i i feel like people like i just don't and I don't have anyone to talk to or like I feel lonely if you were, if you could get them to be honest and yet maybe haven't actually like tried to like call up another person and say can we meet for coffee I'd yeah. like to get to know you more you know do like you want to play <laughs> yeah but it's you, so you, hard when you get older right, though you actually have to you have to be intentional like mm-hmm. uh you have to create rhythms in your life. You have to treat community the same as you do other spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. You have to have regular intentional things that you're doing in order to build that into your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, Tony, we've probably talked about this on the podcast at least briefly before. You and Rob, our friend Rob, Maggie's husband, and I meet every Thursday morning for a breakfast place. Called pies and bros. <laughs> we do call it pies and pies bros. Pies and bros. <laughs> and uh, there's t-shirts. You know, we <laughs> joke about it all the time. There are t-shirts, though. There really are t-shirts. Uh, we joke about it all the time, and yet, I know for me, 
I don't know. I don't want to put words in anybody else's mouth, but for me, that's an important part of my weekly rhythm because it's a it's one place where I know I'm going to be with two other guys who actually care about my life, who are going to ask me what's going on in my life that I can be honest with, that I can talk about both family stuff and spiritual stuff and work stuff mm-hmm. and process life with mm-hmm. and like the only reason that that happens, though, is because we just intentionally set a time, pick, you know, like Emma talks about with prayer, set a pick time, a place, pick, a pick a place and show, yeah, up. show up. And if you don't do that intentionally with a community, then it's not it's so easy just to go through your life and sort of like feel isolated and never do anything about it. I, I am interested uh Emma, from your perspective, right at, at the table, you know, you're the only one here that doesn't currently have a spouse. And, um, uh, how does it, how does being in a community as a single person feel different or impact that, or is that even a fair question? And we can edit it out if it's not no, like, yeah. I just think it's an interesting dynamic that maybe, um, oftentimes I don't get to hear perspective on. Sure. Um, well, you are correct. I'm not married. And what? I, I was going to say yet, but <laughs> you um, never know. You never know what God has in mm-hmm. store for you. May the Lord's will be done. Mm. Amen. Um, let's see. I mean, man, I've had conversations about this in the past few weeks, actually, um, about like, quote unquote, singles ministry and all of those things. Um I mean, personally, community doesn't look that different um, for me as I think it does. I mean, my best friend is married, and when she got married, her and I had an honest conversation about how our friendship would change Mm -hmm. because she is entering into a marriage, a union. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, it was such an honor and a privilege, you know, to walk alongside her through that and for our friendship to even deepen because we were able to say, oh, wow, like seasons are changing right now and that's okay. And our friendship is beyond this, you know, so we can still get together and have coffee and talk. And, you know, like we were just very intentional about the way that we, you know, guarded our friendship. And I think all of the people at this table would agree with me when I say, I am very guarded when it comes to my relationships. Um, I tend to, I really, really value being intentional about um, about my relationships. So I have two friends who are completely outside of my church and my everyday life. We live um, pretty far away from each other. And yet we have very regular conversations about how we're doing and what's going on. And, um, you know, we get to see each other every few months. So those are like my people outside of my normal life. And at the same time, I have friends who do the day-to-day things with me, who go to the same church, who, um, you know, are very familiar with everything going on in my life. And, you know, those relationships have their place as well. And both require intentionality and both serve their purposes in different ways but to answer your question about being single in the midst of all of it I don't think it actually changes much for me so and I, I will say that I do think this is partly a testament to your intentionality yeah, yeah I don't know that I've met a more intentional 
uh, person in term in the way that you approach your spiritual disciplines of which I'm sure you would include community as a part of that. Yeah. And so I, I know at this point there's probably like, okay, guys, we've, we've been talking about this for a while. How do we lean into community? So I thought it might be helpful if we kind of just went around the table and shared one of the practices that we use to make sure that we're building intentional community. And I'll pass it off to Matt first. Well, I just mentioned one already with our weekly meeting. Uh, but So in other words, schedule it. Schedule it. Um, and I want to qualify the kind of relationships that you have. I think especially for ministry leaders, but really just for every Christian, you have to have someone or multiple persons in your life who you have given express permission to ask you hard questions or to push back on you. Mm. Because this is, you have to, real community goes deeper than just like grabbing coffee or lunch and shooting the breeze about what's going on in, with your kids in sports or what, you know what I mean? You need someone, like if you're going to flourish the way that community really is designed to, I think, help you flourish, you have to have someone who's not just a yes man in your life, mm-hmm. who says, yeah, I hear you saying that, but there's, I think there's more there, Matt. What's, you know, like, are you really, like, are you telling me everything or whatever? Yeah. You know, and, um, I mean, gosh, I mean, there's been, a, I can just going back to pies and bros. I can think of a number of occasions where your Rob was like, yeah, I feel like I need to say something here to you, you know what I mean? Or whatever. And, um, there's a, there's a handful of people I would say that are in my life that have, that they know me well enough and I've given them the permission. You don't give that permission to just anybody. Yeah. You got to have a relationship of trust and you have to be, it has to be with someone that you know has your best interest in mind that really loves you. But you need those kind of, you have to have relationships to get to that place. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That kind of ties in, um, with my thing. And I don't know if this is considered, I consider it community. I'm in a band meeting. Mm. I have been for about a year and it has radically, I mean, it's changed my life. Describe what that is for people that don't know. A a Wesleyan band meeting. Um, well, we get together and (laughs) it's me and a group of, a few other girls and um, we meet together every week and the purpose is to confess sin. So we answer the five questions, which is what sins have you committed in the past week? Um, what temptations do you have you had in the past week? What deliverances have you had in the past week? Um, is there anything that you didn't know if it was sin or not that you wanna kind of talk through? And then we always call it the last question the last call but (laughs) it's like um is there anything that you don't want to keep secret or in the dark so we go through those five questions every week and uh you profess forgiveness over the other person and remind each other of your identity in christ and it's not necessarily about getting down on yourself of how bad of a sinner you are but it's about encouraging one another to uh stand in their identity and uh yeah just fight against temptations and stuff so I've been in one of those meetings for about a year, and it just so happens that uh, one of my best friends is in it too. We've been friends for a very long time. And um, I just wanna say the beautiful thing about this is 
that her and I have done ministry together and we do ministry together, but we have made it a value of our friendship that I, like, we've said this, I care about how you show up ministry, but I care about your life. I care about your heart. I care about how you're doing and your day-to-day stuff. Um, And so, yes, we do ministry together, but it's not the end-all be-all. So having a band meeting has really um, been a solid thing that I have just leaned upon in the past year. So I would say a couple things. One, uh, we haven't talked about this yet, and but in terms of practical things, I think sometimes, you know, we sort of joked about it, like when you said, do you want to come out and play? Like, um, I don't know if kids still do that, to be perfectly honest. Do kids like knock on each other's doors and say like, can we have somebody who knocks on our door? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for Shiloh. Sh- yeah. yeah. She okay. comes around and she's like, actually, now she just comes in. Yeah. She knocks <laughs> and comes in at the same time. I love that. That's like yeah. the neighborhood I grew up in. Yeah, she I... knows the rules. She's not allowed upstairs unless Shiloh's with her because we don't need any of that. Yeah. yeah. We had to put a little, but she's great. We love her. Yeah. So, but like when you get older and your time becomes structured more around goals, you have, you find yourself in the circumstances where you have like more role friends than real friends sometimes. Because when you're young, your relationships are structured around environment. You go to school, Mm -hmm. your friends are there, you know, um, you play sports, your friends are there. And there's a lot of diversion involved in youthful life. You go to movies, you party birthday party stuff like that you get older you make a lot of ex- you you rationalize not having fun so then you find yourself not having fun and then you're just friends with people you work with so the thing i want to say is is one point of vulnerability that i think adults need to gr- always need to grow in is to get better at moving people from role friend to real friend and not not all of them are going to be candidates but I have to imagine that there's one person you work with you know who might be in your work environment that's appropriate people just so we're all clear you need to make appropriate choices about these people but like who you can be like let's go get coffee (laughs) let's go see a movie let's go (laughs) have dinner you know something like that and then just you know begin to have moments where it's not just in work life you yeah. can migrate relationships yeah. into those areas the other thing too that i think that adults always need to learn are and maybe just anyone really your work will never love you back mm. your work will never ever even if your work is the church heck yes and i i want to just say that if you are a leader in the church oh my gosh please learn this lesson and, and I actually think the most important relationship is the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And that is more important than what you do professionally in the church. I know that that's really hard for some people, but like there has to be a primary thing that anchors you in life. And it has to be Jesus. It cannot be Jesus what I do for you in the church. It just has to be the person of Jesus. And I think that when we are able to really take that on, then we can really know what it means when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because when we say, Jesus, I know you, you know me, like you're saying in the beginning, Matt, I'm truly known and I know that I'm known, then we're like, I have nothing to prove. Right. 
And I think we all know, people listening and people sitting at this table, how bottomless the pit of trying to prove yourself in the church can be. Mm. It is so it's not a it's not a happy place to put yourself, so no. don't do that. So I would say, realize that your work's never going to love you back. You need to have relationships with people who you just do dumb crap with, and also, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah, be brave. Make a friend. You know, find someone to be like, hey, let's go throw axes or go to Top Golf. <laughs> Or <laughs> do something dumb, you know? Watch baseball. Watch mm. baseball. Pass. <laughs> Catch a fish. Yep. <laughs> I, so I would say this. <laughs> I would say that the number one tool that I use in my own life um, to determine if I'm in a healthy community, and maybe this is helpful to someone, maybe it's not, is I ask myself the question, um, do I have a private life or a secret life? mm Right, so a private life is me not oversharing, which I have been known to be an oversharer. And so a private life means I'm, I'm using wisdom, I'm using discernment, I'm protecting the relationships around me, mm-hmm. right? Very important when it comes to my kids in preaching, my wife in preaching, mm-hmm. or podcasting, yeah. or writing. Yeah, right? talk about vulnerability. There is inappropriate vulnerability. That's right. Well, yeah. and so that's when I know I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in a healthy community if, I'm, if I don't have a private life. Right. So there are parts of my life that need to be private. Yeah. I also know the flip side of that is I'm in an unhealthy community if I have a secret life, mm-hmm. if there's a part of my life that nobody knows about. Yeah. Right. So if I can't come to Pies and Bros and talk about it, if I can't go to my band meeting and talk about it, if I can't go to one of the guys, one of my spiritual fathers and talk about it, then that's a secret life. And, and in that case, I'm in an unhealthy community again. Yeah. Right. And so that balance of I, I want things to be private but I don't want any secrets. And if I can live and walk on that line through Christ, um, I, I'm usually in a pretty good spot in terms of what community looks like. And so, you know, I, I think our prayer for you today is that you find that balance, that you find that relationship, that you find that community. And if you need help, um, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We would love to connect with you. All right. Parting thoughts. That was beautiful. Thank you, Tony. That's been our podcast for today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Spirit and Truth, or if you want to support the mission and ministry of Spirit and Truth, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life, and to give, it's spiritandtruth.life slash give. While you're there, Remember, we have three conferences coming up. Registration is opening is open now, and um, spots are filling up. And you can, you know, come be in community with us there. So, uh, in one of those three places: Conroe, Texas, Mobile, Alabama, or Dayton, Ohio. All right, thanks a lot, guys. We'll come back to you in the next conversation. Bye. <laughs>